hope your day is full of enchiladas and tamales and huevos rancheros and pico de gallo. You got to have pico de gallo, motherfucker. What's up, guac? Who doesn't want guac? It's Wednesday. Let's get into it. We have an amazing episode of Shank for you this week with the one, the only comedian, Nick Thune. But before we get into this week's episode of Shank with Nick Thune, there's just a few things I want to tell you. First, I'm coming to the Ice House in Pasadena. That's right. I will be at the Ice House. Let me see what day I will be there. I believe it's Friday. Yes. Friday. I will be at the Ice House this Friday for Comedy Juice, 7.30. Come out. Um, more dates on my Instagram at Princess Shank and on my Twitter at Princess Shank. You can find me here every Wednesday on Shank and every Monday on this bitch. If you haven't bought merch, do it. It's the album art. It's really cool. It's You can buy a hoodie. You can buy a shirt. It's a great way to support the podcast. And also, I'm coming to Skank Fest. So, if you're looking for fun, come to Skankfest. It's in Vegas this year. I'm pretty sure it's sold out. But if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there. Make sure to come say hello. All right. One last thing. Look down at your feet right now. Are you wearing socks? If you're not wearing socks, ask yourself why. Socks are essential. They protect your most valuable assets, your toesies. It's 2023. Toes are a form of currency. Cover your feet up in the most luxurious socks available to man. Shop ohyeah.com. That's three O's, H-Y-E-A-H.com. Discount code Sarah, S-A-R-A-10 for 10% off unique sock designs. Whether you're into aliens or Dungeons and Dragons or ice cream, there's a pair of socks for you. They make amazing gifts. If you want to break up with someone, but you don't know how to do it, buy them a pair of socks and then say, hit the bricks. You know, it softens, it softens a lot of things. If you're late for something, show up with a pair of socks. Give the gift of socks is what I'm saying. It's a great way to support the pod. Shop ohyeah.com, discount code Sarah10. All right, let's get into this week's episode of Shank with the one, the only Nick Thune. Here it is, guys. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Shank. I'm Sarah Weinshank, and today's guest is the one, the only, comedian, Nick Thune. Hello. Did you like your intro? Yeah. I went from being casual to efficient. Yeah. I mean, you've been efficient, I think, since I saw you pull into the parking garage. I mean- Really? Yeah. It was pretty seamless. Well, here's what I noticed is you pulled in to where the entrance was and you look back at my truck thinking, I wonder if that's Nick. Uh, that is what I did. And I saw you and I thought, that's her. That's her wondering if it's me. I'm not going to engage. I'm going to like let whoever I text handle me getting in, not let her worry about this. Not. It you was know. so seamless. I was like, there's no way that that's also him. Perfect timing. Yeah. Well executed, Nick. Yeah, thank you. What's well, going on? I don't know anything about you, except you have a grill, mm. which I like. Yeah. You have two grills. I mean, it's one. Oh, it's one. I call it a subtle grill. It is a subtle grill. It's just like a- Oh, it's a subtle gold grill. An outline and then like a thing. It's fun. Yeah. I met this, uh, I met a guy that does grills. Where? How do you meet a grill guy? His name's Alligator Jesus. I can't. Where do you meet Alligator Jesus? Well, on Instagram, I guess I met him. And then um, I went in and like, you know, he's done like Beyonce and he's got like the molds of like all these people's teeth that he's done and really, really sweet, nice guy and just grilled me up. So how long have you had the grill for? 
bet maybe about a year. Do you feel different with the girl? Uh, you know, I don't wear it all the time. Um, it does seem to be a distraction sometimes for people. They're like, wait, what? You know, like I can see people kind of, I don't, and I don't necessarily, I don't love being a distraction. I do. But sometimes I love having. Flair. Yeah. Like I just like to have like one thing that seems off compared to everything else that's happening, you know? Same. I have a tooth gem, but it's not as noticeable. Yeah. It's a lightning bolt. Uh huh. And what happens if you swallow that? Is that a calm? Have you then looked? I shit out a lightning bolt, Nick. That's exactly what I <laughs> wanted to exactly hear. That's <laughs> exactly what you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah. that's what happens. Uh-huh. Um, so, okay, you incorporate music with your comedy and you get away with it, which is amazing. Because <laughs> I not, haven't been arrested yet. I mean, that, not that many people can pull it off. I'm on the lamb. Yeah. Not many people can pull it off and you can pull it off. So mm-hmm. I was like, I got to get Nick Thune on, see what's going on with this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I hope I, I pull it off sometimes. I don't no, know. No, you pull it off. Who knows? Well, thank you. I'll, it, that, without seeming like a prop comic or like, you know. Yeah, that's the goal ultimately, you know. Right. But how did you, did you always bring the guitar on stage or did you, did you stand up and then incorporate the guitar? You know, I really wanted to be a musician. Like I wanted to be a lead singer. I just would like fantasize about like standing behind a microphone, like in a stadium, you know? And like problem was, is I just didn't have it in me to sing or take myself seriously. And so I just kept learning guitar, wanting to play it. And then I had this opportunity when I was in, I did a little brief stint in community college which is the way people describe prison, I think, as well. <laughs> <laughs> <And> a Bristol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I had to do some presentation, and I decided to just play my guitar while I did it. And it was, like, really fun. People really responded to it. And then I went to, like, an open mic that week in Seattle, and I was like, well, I didn't know anybody that was doing open mics. I didn't know. I ended up at some poetry open mic in oh, shit. Ballard, this area of Seattle that at the time was, like, very artsy and like, you know, <laughs> now it's like very overrun and huge hotels. But, um, and I went up as a serious, you know, like I think I couldn't take myself seriously. And so in the end, what I ended up doing on stage was a guy who's taking himself pretty seriously. And I, <laughs> and I enjoyed that kind of playing into that rather than like somebody calling me out on actually being that, you know? Right, 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 right. And I think that's how it started. And then, I don't know, I stumbled into some luck. That's so fun. Yeah. So you started in Seattle? Mm Mm-hmm. And then how long have you been in L.A.? Uh, I think 19 years, actually, this this August. Oh, shit. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. Moved down and... uh, I mean, if it's the thing is, you got to eventually get out of Seattle. I think it's it's too sad. And is it's, it? It's it's beautiful. It's sad. It's tragic. It's overrun. It's turning into a techie thing. It's like there's so many things about it that kind of run into each other. But in the end, now I'm used to sun and vitamin D and it's a big difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. It, just this year it was cloudy more than it's been. And I was like, ew, why does it feel like I'm living in Seattle when I'm living in L.A.? This it's, is fucked. It's been, a, for me, a great 
like I've been, I've been really enjoying it. You have? Yeah. Because it's not like the cold weather and it's not, you know, it's nice. And it also keeps idiots out from like going (laughs) out. Like like people like, like my son's school was canceled last Monday because of the threat of a hurricane. The hurricane? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And businesses were closed, you know, and it, it just keeps the idiots out. Like I, you can like freely kind of roam the city when it's, when it's cloudy out because people are like, people shut down completely. In. Yeah. Not, I mean, they're not idiots, but you know, like they're it, idiots. it makes it, 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 it just kind of weans it down to people that I like. So is it hard to be a dad and do stand up? Uh, not at all. I, I think it must be probably, it's probably a lot harder to be a mom and do stand up. I would That's assume. What I was wondering. But, um, I, I definitely had this struggle with, um, if becoming a dad was going to take my edge away of, you know, like just what I was. I see the grill. I don't think it took your edge away. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's funny cause I saw like this guy, this musician that I really like named Kurt Vile and, um, I know him. Yeah. And when I had, when I, when I was in the midst of having my son, when my wife, my wife at the time was pregnant, um, I saw a video of him and saw that he had a daughter and I was like, oh, okay, great. Okay, thank God. This guy that I admire that's really artistically like brilliant has a kid. It didn't lose it. Right. Yeah, I'm good. Um, But do you think it's helped your comedy? It's helped me as a human, you know? Right. There's a lot of things that have helped my comedy that um, over the years, you know, like becoming a dad, getting sober, like all these things that you do that, that, um, change your perspective, but also give you a larger look at everything and see the audience in a different way of like people that have kids that are there and what that means to them that they're out for the night. And, yeah, you, you know, like, cause I love, I really am still in this because I love performing live in front of a group of people. I it's don't the care. Best. I don't care how many, I don't care what the circumstances are, what mood I'm in, what's going on in my life. It always is such an honor and like a weird, you know, gift that you get to do that. Right. Well, how long have you been sober? Five years. And how, how do you feel? about Almost five years. Like what's the, what, what do you, what's the takeaway? Like is your quality of life so much better? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not living in constant fear of what I may do or what I might screw up or what I might die of, you know? Right. I mean, could could die at any moment, but the options are way less now. Right. <laughs> you know, like you just don't, um, I, I'm able to look people in the eye and I'm able to especially look myself in the eye and I'm able to be a father. So that those are the things that Most make it. Most important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you have more kids or are you done? I don't plan on it, no. I don't, but I, I also don't, you know. I don't say that I'm not going to ever do anything again. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever get married again. I just don't like the legal aspect or the thought of what, you know, what it went through, like what, what that meant and how hard that was to undo and Yeah, the it's legal hard process. as fuck to undo. I have friends who are trying to undo it right now and I'm not jealous of that at all. No, and it's, again, life growing, understanding, you know, and it, I wouldn't give that up for anything, but I, I definitely learned from it and- and I learned, and now I'm, I've learned like, you know, like you're watching other people go through it or you watch other people make it to the other end of it and not do it, you know? And, and, um, 
I'm not against marriage and I'm not a cynic. I just don't feel like, I don't know if I want to go through that again. Yeah, I mean, well, I lived with a guy and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go through that again, dude. But like the things that come up all of a sudden, like you think you're someone who's like self-actualized and that you've been working on yourselves and then on yourself and then you get into a relationship and you're like, what the fuck? Well, and you're living together. So that's part of the divorce. I mean, that's, that's, that's significant because that changes. You can't just cut and it's over and you maybe have a toothbrush. There's I still have my place though. Yes, that's good. But he had to, at some point, come back and get stuff. He had to figure out the rent situation and pay you a deposit that you would put in and you had to keep communicating and and all of those things are what makes it, you know, that's hard. Those are hard things that adults learn how to do. I'd get texts like, your Manscaped package is here for my ad rates. I'm like, you can have it. I don't want to come get my manscape. So I'm not even a man. Just yeah, have it. Yeah. Your liquid death boxes are here. You can have them. Oh, I do like liquid death. Liquid you do? Death. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love, there's something about canned water that just kind of. Hits different. Yeah. Especially as a sober man. Doesn't make you feel like. Yeah, but I like can in general. Like I like, you know, when I, when I would drink like soda, I would rather have a canned Coke than- Same, than a bottle? Or, you know, an actual bottle of Coke is fine too, but still, I, I think a can of Coke is my ultimate, like that's the, it's classic. It, you just look at it and you know what it tastes like. You know what it feels like. You see the condensation on it. You're just like, I- yeah. I want that. But you know what I don't like? I don't like a bottle of, a plastic bottle. No, nobody likes that. I don't Really? <laughs> I mean- People probably, like the same way that I like Pike Place Roast at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. It's not good, Mm -hmm. but it is what I'm used to, and I can get that everywhere. I can get that at the airport in D.C. I can get that in the weird part of town in Pittsburgh that I'm in and get Pike, Pike Place Roast, and it tastes like here. Right. And it tastes like the plastic top and the cup. And all of those things together, and then in some weird way, I've learned that's all good. Right. Whereas like people with like a, a bottle of plastic, whatever flavor that plastic adds to it is like now part of their obsession with it. I like the can. But what about that? What does that say about me? I like the toxins of the aluminum. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know if, to me, you're not, the toxins are gone. Really? Yeah, you're just, this is like a surface. This is just a surface in there. I like I like the way you're looking at that. <laughs> I mean, also though, also though, I think if you pour this into like a porcelain toilet, it like eats away at the toilet. So <laughs> yeah. the, fact that it's, the fact that it's not eating away at the aluminum, then let's, okay, that is something to consider. And Well, like, to be honest, I'm more of a Diet Coke person than a Pepsi person. What about you? Um, I, I would just, I just like Coke. Just classic, classic Coke. Yeah. Classic Coke. Mm-hmm. Rank the beverages. Well, also, I, I mean, I have an affinity for a cold canned Mountain Dew, Whoa. which I just like, I haven't had for maybe five years, but last time I had one, I was like getting a burger and I was like, you give me one of those. Treat yourself. Because that reminds me of being a kid. And that was like the first soda that I really Same liked. as a kid. It would make me act up too because there's so much caffeine in mm-hmm. it remember i went to a soccer party and they I, that was the first time i ever had mountain dew you started acting up i came home my parents i was like running around the house in circles my parents were like was it just mountain dew like what's happening it was like yeah. it was like 
crack. And the color of it is also alarming. Grape juice is a very similar... I found like I gave my son grape juice that was not diluted. It was just like straight up like out of some bottle. Oh my God. <laughs> was it a mistake? I mean, he just started acting up. Like you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. He, he normally doesn't act up. He normally is just a super chill dude. And then all of a sudden he's like annoying. I'm like, what are you doing, man? It's from the grape juice. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Well, okay. What about root beer? What are your thoughts on root beer? Sarsaparilla. Oh, yeah, the street name for it. <laughs> I uh, I like root beer. Yeah, I like a good, um, I, I would have one. The thing is, is I'm not enjoying and I'm not taking any of these ever. Like, so I take my son to a Dodgers game and he, I allow him, that's the only time I allow him a Coke. Okay. And he, I will not even take a sip of his Coke. You I, won't? No, because- it's gonna make me want to drink a whole Coke, and then the next day a Coke, and I'll be like, I mean, let's one time a week I'm gonna have a Coke, and then I'm and just gonna be having Coke and, and Coke that's and Coke. Alcoholism. That's <laughs> the addiction. It's sugar. Fuck. It's the sugar thing. So then, for me, also in my mind right now, I can tell you the things that I'm putting in my body that are trying to kill me. Yeah. What are they? Uh, the aluminum in my deodorant. But I've but tried. Worth it. I've tried to not. You try to use the other kind. I tried it, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. work. And also, I ended up getting a rash, and I went to my doctor. I'm like, why do I have this rash? It's like a year after using like the crystal thing or the salt one, and then this and that. And he's like, yeah, man, you got to go back to aluminum. It, <laughs> it'll, he goes, it'll, it'll clear that rash up in two days. And goddamn it, if he wasn't right. And then I just was like, all right, this is the one thing I'm gonna. I'm allowing it. You know, it's like my friend who. He allows, he budgets every year for like five parking tickets. No. <laughs> so that he knows in his head, I'm going to allow myself five tickets that I purposely engage in. No, no. So like that I purposely park illegal, knowing that that will be one of them. For and then convenience? if I don't get it, then I'm, I still got one. I still got another one. You know, it's no. like a genie, like a wish with a genie or something, you know? It's kind of genius though. It is. And, you know, he's also playing justifying shit in his head and playing mind games with himself, but. But who isn't? Yeah. I play mind games with myself all the time. Yeah. The dialogue is crazy. Do you meditate? I have forms of meditation that I I think that I regularly, you know. Like what? Utilize. Well, when I got sober, I was very um, anxious and I was like, it was hard to be in my body and it felt really hard to like, be on anything that wasn't like dirt, you know, like, cause like being in like dirt or grass, like I could feel grounded. And and then like at the grocery store, I would, I, in a way, like a, a guy that has never had anxiety issues really ever was melting down. And this guy told me, he's like, if that, when that happens in a place like the grocery store, stop and hear the music, right? And then listen to the music and then pull out the baseline and just hear the baseline. And That's then cool. keep grocery shopping. And does that help? Yeah. It, 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 it like, you know, and he basically said like meditation isn't, you know, cause I, I come from a church background, like growing up praying and really? all this stuff. What church? Just a Christian, boring Christian kind of like non-denominational sort of a. I, was, well, I went to Catholic school. Oh yeah. That'll fuck you up. Mm. Yeah. I know it's funny when I, the more I learn about Catholics, it's like, I, I grew up thinking they were just like 
Christians. They're not. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a. I mean, There's skeletons in the closets of Catholics. And I'm not even talking about like emotionally. I'm talking about like the church and the, it's, yeah. Rituals? Just, yes, the, the rituals. The rituals are sick in like a bad way. Yeah. I like the stained glass and that's it. Beautiful. Stained glass. If I could have a whole house of stained glass. Love what they're doing architecturally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't love what they're doing with the youth. Don't love. <laughs> don't love that. <laughs> no, the shame, yeah. the judgment. We don't like all that stuff, but man, those windows. Those windows are sick. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing about a stained glass window is you're saying to birds, there's a window here. It's nice. Whereas I've never like a regular like window that. is saying like, hey, come check out this couch. <laughs> and then they're like dead, you know? And, and that's the thing about birds that people don't understand. Like I, there's somewhere, the number is somewhere around 1 billion birds a year die from windows. Like- Stained glass is the way to go. Chicago changed their laws at nighttime in, in downtown where they have to turn all the like office buildings have to turn their lights off at night because birds like love doing office work. <laughs> and they're trying to go in there and like do like a ton of like office work. And they were cleaning up so many dead birds on the street every day. And then that changed. There was like less dead birds, you know? Whoa. Yeah. But the blood on, on the hands of people at window stores is just thick. That is. It's dripping. <laughs> that is soaked, <laughs> soaked in blood. Hey, come on in. Oh my God. No. Okay. But so. I agree with the grass thing and being outside. During the pandemic, I was like, fuck this. I moved from being in the city to like a, to a canyon far mm. away. I'm not gonna say what canyon because, you know, there's some weirdos on the internet. Yeah, You know how that is, but it totally changed my perspective of like, you say there's some weirdos on the internet. You're like, uh, you know, because there's some weirdo sitting across from me. So I'm not going to be <laughs> totally specific about which canyon it is. Yeah. So, but I loved it. I love it and it changed like my whole outlook on everything because I can just go outside and hike and feel there's something that happens with um, self regulating. The self regulation is the biggest meditation, I think, out there in the sense of. Um, and this is kind of like a program, like AA sort of a thing, but it's really a life thing. And it's just called taking a pause. Mm-hmm. And and it's the it's the understanding that you don't owe anybody an immediate response via text, in person. They have what they're asking you. This is they have up. they have planned out. They know what they're asking you. They know that what they want to hear, or they like. They're prepared. They're, it's like they're a stand-up comedian that goes on stage that's like has prepared their jokes and the audience is going to be surprised, you know? And you you can hear what they say and you can think about it. You can get back to them actually whenever it's convenient for you. And, and, it, and if it is neglecting their, you know, obviously this is like between the gauges of not disrespecting them and, and wasting their time or, you know, but you, you owe it to them to give them a real response. And by choosing to take that pause, you're self-regulating and you're allowing yourself to make a good decision. Which is important because with social media, someone, you can access people so fast and with text messages and everything. And sometimes it's like, dude, I can't, it's too much. I know I've done it. I've gotten fired up on something and like messaged somebody I known and then been like, what am I doing? Why did I? What about the unsend button? I have never utilized it. I've, I've have seen, you seen other people utilize it. 
Yes. On your end where it goes message unsent and I go, what was the message, yeah. dude? Not only that, I don't, I don't really care about the message unsent thing. I care. What I, what I, <laughs> what I really notice in texts are when there's like a space between the last word and the period, or there's like a weird like word that has like two spaces between it, knowing that there were other words between there. And there was another oh. word before the period. And they deleted that and then they left a space there because they didn't fully go through and, and like tighten it up. So clean it up. Yeah. So this, whatever the stuff that they were going to say, but then also you can respect that they considered themselves and they didn't just go boom, 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 boom. They like, and, or then, and then unsend. They didn't send, they wrote and then they thought, okay, that doesn't, we don't need to say that. Backspace. Yep. <laughs> I never have thought of that before. I just think it's weird that it, you there's the option to unsend, but then when you hit unsend, it notifies the person that you unsend something. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like I'm being lied to kind of. Like, what was the thing? Did you lack confidence? Yeah. You couldn't stick with the original question. What happened? Self-doubt took over. I made this huge mistake once where I was texting somebody about somebody. So I was texting somebody about somebody else that was with me. And they weren't in the room. And it wasn't like, it was just like, ugh, like, you know, it was just something I wouldn't say to them. And I, and this just shows you, like, I, I hated the fact that I was like this at that time. Um, it was definitely during alcoholism and, you know, but I, I send the text and then I hear a ding in the room and I look over and realize I sent the text to them No, oh. no, and no. I'm looking at it and it says text message, Nick, and I'm looking at it and I go to unlock it and it says passcode. And I just honestly... One, two, three, four, open. No. It opened? And I deleted it. No. And then no. put it down and set it down. It was just like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. What? <laughs> it's oh just like, God. oh my. And it changed me forever. I was just like, no, I don't need to text other people about other people. No, it's bad. This I isn't did, a good trait. I it's, did something <laughs> like that too. I texted. I texted a screenshot of this guy that I was seeing, something that he said, I meant to send it to my friend, but I sent it to him. That was not fun. Have you been on the other side where somebody sent you something that you know they didn't mean to send you? No. Have you? Uh-huh. Was it bad? No. No, but it was like definitely, um, it didn't look good for them. It does not look and, good. It and, never looks and good. And I could feel it though. I could actually feel like what I could, I, I put myself in their shoes and I thought, okay, you know, and I thought, okay, I'm just, I just, who cares? Right. I kind right. of already thought whatever they sent me. Right. Yeah. I mean, texting the wrong person will get you, especially if it's like shit talking. That's one of the last things my grandfather ever said to me was about texting the wrong person. What did, what was it? Well, he died in 88. <laughs> he said, event. <laughs> I decided grandpa's talking very weird right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. So I did Al-Anon for a little. Mm. So I did the 12 steps for that. And it was really eye-opening. Just the way that, because you think that you know yourself. Right. And mm -hmm. then you sit down and you start doing the steps and you're like, dude, this is not easy either. Yeah. I got to step four. I said, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll I said, and that'll do it. 
<laughs> I mean, it's that is something to you know, Al-Anon. I I only know. I'm sure people have gone on behalf of me. You know, like I've had people do that, and I'm so glad that they have a place to go. I mean, I feel so lucky that I have a place to go. Like AA is it's a crazy thing that it's you know. I mean, just take church, for instance. The actual goal of a church is to have a place where anybody can go and be welcome and have anybody walk in and be loved. And it's turned into something way worse than that. And and the idea is that you have a place to go. Anybody does. And AA is this place where I can go and I'll be driving and somebody cuts me off and, or I do something or I see somebody yelling at somebody else. And I, I often find myself hoping they have a place to go because because I have a place to go, I'm not the one cutting people off. Right. Most most of the time. I mean, sure, I'm sure. But, you know, I it creates this. It's like when the second I sit in this room, how lucky am I? Like, this is so beautiful. Right. And then also, like, somebody, this happened to me, like, years after I stopped going to Al-Anon. I got a phone call out of the blue from someone from Al-Anon. And it was the first time that I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is, like, this person actually really needs me. Mm-hmm. And that was really an interesting experience to be able to be there for somebody, even though I wasn't active in the program, and be like, okay, well, like, talk them off a ledge. Yeah. And that was really beautiful because I feel it. Like, I think that as humans, we have this, we think we're alone and unique and nobody else is experiencing the pain that we're experiencing. Well, what I encourage you to do is because the, the, the thing is a lot of people take from the program. Mm-hmm. They go in and say themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you look in it and you read more and you realize how you got through reading all of that, somebody did that for you. Right. Somebody did that for you. And they were actually doing that selfishly for themselves because that, is what helps them stay the same way. And they see your pain and they see what you're going through and they talk you through it. And it brings back up things in their life that they might redo, you know? And like, so to fully be in one of those rooms, like you, by giving back like that, you know, like that's like a great, that means you you like, you like earn a seat in that room in a way. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now it just brought it to like another level. And also it's like the times that I was in Al-Anon were so... I mean, it gave me tools that I just didn't have before because when you're with an addict or your obsession becomes their behavior, mm-hmm. you're like, are they drinking? Are they not drinking? Are they doing Coke? Are they not like that whole spiral? And it's just like about letting go of that. And, and we're not back. talking about the Coke we were talking about earlier. No, we're talking about the powder, Nick. Yeah. You know. The real shit. The yeah. real shit. Not canned, not, not bottled. Cans, <laughs> pure. <laughs> Yeah, it's I I've never been on the other side really. So I I I I look back at what I put people through that love me and it's just so heartbreaking. And it's really um you know, and that took that took a long time to even understand. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's also it's just interesting to be able to have that community available at any time. Mhm. It is. I like your tattoos. On a lighter note, <laughs> I like your tattoos. You have a lot. You have an owl. Yeah, I kind of. love an owl. Which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? I really like this window. I like that window too. Um, 
Uh, it's just also become a hassle because like acting wise, I have to like cover it up and I'm like, uh, it's not that hard, but it's definitely like. It takes time. Yeah. And I, I just went through a period of my life where permanence didn't matter to me. Oh, I get it. And not that it does anymore now. I, but I, like, I haven't had a new tattoo for maybe a year or two or something. But do you want one? Sometimes I think about it and then I just think like, why, what do I need that for right now? And, or what month is it? And do I want to go swimming? Like, do I want to go swimming is an important question mm -hmm. before getting a tattoo. Also, I don't abide by all that. I've, I've learned that living my life is more important than, uh, it's been a week since I got a tattoo. I can't jump in this beautiful river in the middle of the Sequoia National Park. Like, I'm going to jump in the river. I'm going to deal with whatever fallout. Oh, he's rebellious, guys. On this tattoo. <laughs> no fucks given. I mean, I do that. My same, my same belief in, in clothing, like it's not made to walk around and not sit on benches. You know, like you, you, if you're wearing something that makes you not want to sit on a bench, then rethink what you're wearing. Like I'll, it's meant to get dirty. You're meant to ruin the shit that you have. And Do you save outfits? Sometimes for a while, I'd be like, I'm, I'm going to save this for an occasion. And then I just end up wearing it. I'm like, why was I saving it? I could die at any point. Yeah, I never I never do. But sometimes I will like have something pop up. And I'm like, wow, I never wore this thing I bought. Right. And it was for today. Now I know why. I also have this last year just stopped buying clothes. Unless, unless it's vintage. Like I won't buy new clothes. And that's just a... I have too many. Same. I just have too many and I it it doesn't I that's an addiction that I needed to work on which was That's an addiction I have as well. Just like what what do I really get from walking out of a store with a new jacket? <laughs> do when I, I have need so 80 jackets? many fucking jackets. Yeah. Yeah, and I live in a city where I can't wear them very often. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> which, <laughs> you're setting yourself up to be frustrated. It's like, yeah, I have some of the coolest fucking sweaters that have ever existed and <laughs> No one in see. LA ever gets to see him. You, you know? got to do a closet tour. <laughs> I, I I did have a, a clothing sale set up. I was going to do with another comedian. We were going to do it and like a outdoor thing, and then we ended up canceling it. But I I, I still want to do that. Like just like have. Okay, but if like you do huge... that, let me know because I'm going to come and I'm going to bring some stuff. Yeah, great. Come to our clothing sale is what I'm saying. I mean, if we have enough people like us. A lot of loon, loons that love clothes. Yeah, and we bring each other from our separate worlds. It's going to be a big... A big hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds fun. Because if it's like, if it was just me, it would be like, all right, so every guy that's like six foot, whatever, is like, I can go and probably find something. Yeah, but we need to, we need to think of the short bitches too, Nick. Yeah. That's where I come in. Mm -hmm. Short bitches who like loud colors. The short a, kings. Yeah, the short kings. That always makes, whenever somebody says that online or like, I don't know. This all will make me laugh every time. Short Kings. Yeah. It's just such a like, oh, but only when it's coming from the man, like the, it's, it's yeah. not like a women talking about, it's like the man calling, claiming that. Yeah. I just, am like, God, what a Go fucking off. G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Claim your height. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a short queen, mm -hmm. but I don't identify as a short person. Do you identify as a tall person? Uh, I don't, I don't think about it really at all. My brother is like an inch taller than me, one of my brothers. And he, um, one time said to me, he's five years younger and he was like, yeah, you know, like he'd been dating somebody forever. And he finally like was not dating and was single. And, and it was like a new world for him. And he was like, it's crazy, man. Cause like at a bar, like 
women just come like I'm just taller than everyone. And they yeah, see dude. me and they come towards me. It's like seems to be some sort of an advantage that I didn't know. No, it's definitely and he was an saying that. And I was like, no one's doing that. But then the other night I was at a party and this guy that was definitely taller than me walked in and I was just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. No. <sighs> What do I have to do? It's definitely a thing, (laughs) but I have dated short guys, but then, and I never noticed it. And then I dated a tall guy and then I was like, it's definitely better. Really? I mean. (laughs) It depends on the human. Yeah. I guess it's like a case. He might have just been a better person. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just a heightist. Yeah. You know, everybody has those things that stick out that you immediately miss if you think you're going to lose them or remember when you're with somebody else and then. You know, you're just trading those in for the next person's. For new problems and (laughs) new traits. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun getting to know someone different. Wait, okay, Daddy Long Legs. That one sticks out. Is that your nickname? Yeah. When I was younger. I knew it. um, And then, yeah, I dated somebody that. Called you that? That did that. Or she gave me the tattoo. She gave you the tattoo? She tatted you. Yeah, right there at her house. Whoa. Yeah. Was it fun getting a tattoo in a house? <laughs> uh, I've had a few. I've had a few home, home you tattoos. Have? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've uh-huh. seen some shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've been around um, nothing like my first tattoo, though. It was in Seattle in 1998. What was it? It's on my back, and it was uh, um, Hebrew writing across my shoulders. And it's, it was big, it was huge. And it was really, it said Psalm of David. Okay. Which I don't, I don't understand why. (laughs) I I don't, I wasn't thinking anything except for really in my mind, it said, fuck you, mom. (laughs) I'm going to do what the fuck I want. (laughs) And I'm sorry, mom, I love you. But you know, like that, at that time, that was kind of the thing. And I, I, um, I go in and it's like the tattoo parlor scene was way different then. There's not like, what music do you want to hear? Like, uh, hey, do you mind if we burn a little of this Palo Santo before <laughs> yeah, we do it? Yeah. You know, it was like, it smelled like bleach and it was hardcore music and it was like 11 p.m. in Capitol Hill in Seattle on, on like a weeknight. And I, um, in the middle of doing it, this deaf, mute man, what? like homeless, okay. drunk person walks in and is basically dying. And basically needs an ambulance, like, and they can't communicate it. They can't, you know, like, like so the tat. Not this, a dying mute during your first and tattoo. A deaf, <laughs> and a deaf guy. And this is like, he'd outline the letters and now he's filling them out or whatever. And so he's halfway through. And so I'm not feeling good. The music, the deaf mute guy, like all, and the guy that's helping him is the only guy in the place. He was the only, he's the owner. He's the one tattoo guy. He's tattooing me. So he's like on the phone trying to get an ambulance there. And I, I stood up like. I got to go to the bathroom, you know, and I started walking towards the bathroom. And as I got halfway in the door, I was already unbuckling my pants for some fucking, I don't know what. <laughs> and I just fainted as I got in the door. No. Against the wall. No. With my shoulder hitting the doorknob, which left a bigger mark than the tattoo for a while, honestly, that shoulder. And then uh, they couldn't get the door open because I'd like fallen into the door and slammed the door shut. And finally he got the door open and I'm sitting in there with my pants and my fucking ankles like. No. He's like, you know, I'm in some cold sweat. And wow, there's he, a goes, he goes, he te- he calls the next door. There was no texting. Calls the next door, whatever bar or restaurant, and they bring over a Coke. 
and he gives me a Coke like for, and I, this is the first time I realized like sugar and you know, all this stuff can like kind of bring you out of a, as I think about my water, bring water you out, bring you out of a, a physical slump, you know? Oh my God. That's crazy. That's fucked up. The first time I got a tattoo, it was on the back of my neck. It was after a family vacation gone awry. Mm-hmm. I said, you guys have driven me to ink my neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had enough, Yeah, you know, I picked a bow out from like a, a chart. I was like that. And I was on the fence about getting it. My friend was like, I can find money from people to get you the tattoo. So she raised like, it was at a street fair in West mm-hmm. Hollywood. And okay. she was like, she wants to get a tattoo. Who wants to contribute? And then like five minutes later, there was $60 and that was enough for the tattoo. Wow. So it was meant to be. But How's it turned out? It's okay. It's on the back of my neck. It's a bow. Mm-hmm. It's cute. But like physically, is it held together? I, I can't see it. Mm-hmm. I think it's held together. But like, it's not even there? It's a, it's a hallucination. <laughs> it's a dream. Uh-huh. Of all your friends like, listen, she's going to ask about the bow tattoo on her neck. <laughs> just, say it's, just say it's there and it looks good. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah. I've had that happen where I, um, I got hospitalized um, because of my alcoholism. And it was like a brutal experience where I was found naked in someone's yard. No. Um, at three in the morning, um, going through alcohol withdrawals. I was in rehab at the time and I'd like got out and gone. And, and so they had to rush me to the hospital and, um, I was naked. So they just threw me in the back of, you know, the person, the orderly, whoever is working at the rehab at night in the back of their own personal car. No. Just nude. No. And then they rushed me in the hospital and, you know, I heard like somebody said like he's never seen somebody tr- like basically stabbing an IV. Like they couldn't get an IV into my arm. They were like stabbing me to try and get an IV into me. No. All I remember is like that moment where you you see in movies where you're just like all of a sudden you're surrounded by people and there's a guy that's like, Mr. Thune, Mr. Thune, you're strapped down because you've been combative. We're trying to save your life. <laughs> no. Next thing I know, I wake up in a hospital bed and I'm like, I got a catheter in that I rip out. I don't understand what's happening. I, oh. I fall out of the bed and the alarm starts going off. They come in. I've, I haven't been up for days, I guess. I don't know. And um, I continually am like worried about my clothes. What and do you mean? Like just asking about them. Like, where's my shirt? Yeah. Like what, what are all my clothes? Okay. That I had in. Cause like, <laughs> cause when I went to rehab, I just had those clothes. So those were the only things that I had with me, you know? Right. So I keep asking about it, asking about them. And I later found out from people that were in communication with the hospital that I was also talking to that the hospital said, listen, he's asking about his clothes a lot. Just tell him that you took them and are washing them. Okay. And so they had like this thing where they were like, they didn't want me to know the full extent of the nakedness in <laughs> some neighbor's house in Malibu. It was in Malibu? Yeah. That's kind of iconic though. And then weirdly, a month later, not weirdly, these fires happened in Malibu and I, 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 I was still in the rehab and I was like staying in the furthest out little bungalow, like this property in the woods in Malibu. And, you know, the night before it was like obvious there was a fire and it was like, huh, it, obviously it's not going to, you know, come down here. And... I woke up in the morning and it was really the first time I'd ever woken up on my own. Like usually somebody like opens a glass sliding door and they're like, all right, Nick, you know, it's eight or whatever. 
And I wake up and I'm like, it's like nine, nine thirty. This is weird. And I like stroll into the main house and there's the kitchen and I'm making my coffee and a lemon water, which was like my morning thing. And sounds great. People honestly. are like frantically running around. And I ask one of the, the, the kitchen aides, I'm like, Hey, um, is a fire going to like get, get here? And they're like, we're evacuating. No. And then I realized I'm the only patient still there. They had evacuated all the patients already. Oh no. And so I left in the last car with a random dog we found and the nurse <laughs> and and basically had to watch like other employees leave their cars behind and an hour later engulfed in flames, house gone. It was madness. Getting lemon water casually right before. <laughs> yeah, and the thought that like, if I didn't die with the alcoholism and I would have just- So fucked to died, die in a fire. <laughs> died in a rehab fire. Oh yeah. my God. How many times have you been to rehab? Uh, two times. Once when I was younger, a lot younger, 17. And how many days? Uh, when I was younger, it was like a month. And then this last time I was two months. I chose. I, I, I just wanted to stay until I felt, you know, it was a lot worse. My body was a lot worse and there was a lot more recovery that needed to happen for me to even be able to face people. And That was, makes sense. Yeah. It's also crazy how expensive rehabs are. Yeah. Like I have a friend who recently was looking into rehabs and- the cost of rehab, even with insurance for a week was crazy. It is a, and you know, the thing is, is if you really need it though, it's worth it. They'll find a way. Yeah. And you, if you really need it and you can't afford it, there are plenty of ways. And I know somebody that like works in the, in the business and I've like helped people through him, like get places, you know, because it, it is one of those things where there are people who have become sober that are looking out for people that need it and are like donating money and helping. And that's cool. Yeah. And there are people that are wealthy enough to pay all of it. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of the times will allow somebody that can't afford anything in there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, no, I was addicted to Adderall, like really bad. Mm -hmm. And I, when I got that off, seems like such a tough thing. It was cause you're like, I'm so efficient. And then eventually you're like, I need to sleep. I'm, I'm kind of a cunt because I'm on speed. Yeah. But my closet is color coded in a way. It's impeccable. Uh huh. And you can't do that anymore. Can't do that anymore. It's mm -hmm. color coded now, but it's like, you know. Yeah. I'm more sane. Was it now. hard to get off? So hard to get off. I thought I was gonna have to go to rehab, but I ended up just spending a bunch of time at my parents' house, and that worked. Mm -hmm. Um. But it was so hard to get off of that I would never go on it again. And I feel for anyone who's on it that wants to get off of it. Were you snorting it? No, I wasn't snorting it, but I was on a lot of it. Cause I was on it from like the time I was 23 in college. Cause it's so normalized in college. Like I have a final, why wouldn't I take speed real quick yeah. to write that, to study all this. And then, yeah. So I was on it from the time I was like 23 until I was like 33, so 10 years. The weird thing about Adderall is it smells exactly like Coke. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Same smell. Because it's basically Coke. It's yeah. meth. No, you're doing Coke. <laughs> it's definitely a meth. Uh-huh. And also, I got like, I was in my head. I was like, I can't do stand-up if I don't have Adderall. Mm -hmm. Like, were you like that with alcohol? Or yeah. No? Yeah. And actually, the rehab, uh, my second month there, I will, I they took me out to some shows. 
they like somebody drove me to the improv and I did a set and they like escorted me there and back and that's so nice. I just was like I I wanted to I was one of the people that was paying, <laughs> so yeah. they were you know being very like nice to me and um, I just wanted to like make sure that I was able to do it and then it turns out I was just way better at it. Yeah, that's the thing. Almost it's, immediately, it's all in your head. Yeah, you're like I was way more comfortable, way more present not on it. And it just was like this weird crutch that I was telling myself that I needed that it would make my performance better. But it was like, bitch, you're on meth. I know. And it's this like feeling of that you're doing something dirty or wrong or like, you know, like bad and like, you're, you know, I'm an artist, man. I, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I need this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I would write a bunch of jokes and then I look at them the next day and be like, one of these are good, you know? (laughs) But in the moment, I was shooting a movie once, and the somebody gave me Adderall, uh-huh. a cast member, uh-huh. and um, I was basically re- rewriting scenes. You know, it was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. and there was like this ongoing rule on set that I didn't know that was no more Adderall for Nick. No, no, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy drug, and it's prescribed so willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use willy nilly. Fun. I love a willy nilly. A, a yeah. casual willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like. Prescribed to children. Yeah. That's crazy. It's 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 getting more and more regulated, I think. I hope. You know, all that stuff is. It's we're we're understanding more and more what it's the long term effects. And I mean I hope that, you know, like I think about my son growing up and like the differences in drugs that are now than when I was younger and like how Fentanyl. how much more intense weed is and like differently it like affects brain chemistry for like a young kid, whereas I was like smoking seeds, you know, like I Right. I, out of aluminum cans. No, out of aluminum cans. Oh, yeah. Crank it, throw some holes in it. That's so fun. Maybe even put a carb <laughs> on the side. A carb. I smoked out of an apple. Oh, yeah. You do that? Yeah, that's what the doctor always suggested. <laughs> <laughs> that's our podcast. All right. That was fun. That was really fun. Where yeah. can people find you? This is coming out Wednesday. So, do you have anything you want to promote? Where can people find you? Um, I've got tour dates coming up. Like I'm going to be in Nashville on the 20th of December. (laughs) Um, And I've got other dates and I'm, I'm doing some dates with Nate Bargetsy. It'll be really fun. He's a good friend and like super funny. If you haven't heard of him, you should. And um, yeah, just like my website, Instagram, TikTok. um, What's your website? Just nickthune.com. Cool. Yeah. We'll link to all of it in the description. So it'll be easy to find you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Shank. We'll see you next week. You can find me here every Wednesday on Shank and every Monday on This Bitch with Kim Congdon. Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Sarah Wineshank. Also, I'm coming to Skank Fest. So if you're in Vegas and you're a dirty rascal and you want to come see Mm -hmm. comedy, that's the place. Mm -hmm. Um, More dates at Princess Shank. That's all. Bye.